Hello and welcome to Arkan Legal's Business Broadcasts, hosted by Arkan Legal CEO Dave Newick. In this series, Dave explores matters affecting the estate planning industry, with special guests representing numerous businesses and expertise. Dave is an experienced CEO and public speaker, having owned and led many successful businesses, and now with Arkan Legal is helping to digitize the wills and probate sector. Hello to everyone. Welcome back to the Business Broadcast Series. It's wonderful to have you with us once again. I am absolutely thrilled to be joined today by Nick Cousins from Exisant. Welcome, Nick. Hello, Dave. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Good. It's wonderful to have you on the uh, on the show today. That's great to be here. Thank you very much for the invite. We should perhaps warn the listeners that they have a Glaswegian and a Kiwi, so probably subtitles are going to be required. Perhaps they need to listen extra carefully. I'll try and do, be my least Glaswegian for, for everyone. <laughs> I would say, actually, that you have spent some time in London, quite a bit of time in London, haven't you? So uh, the uh, the Glaswegian burr has, uh, uh, has changed a little, hasn't it? But, it's, uh, it definitely softened, yeah, 13 years probably down south in total. But I've been back home for 17, so actually uh, I, I'm surprised it's not come in a bit more heavily. Well, tell us a little bit about your journey and and about Exisant, because there's many firms uh, out there that are perhaps listening to the uh, to the broadcast that don't know a lot about Exisant and uh, may not know who Nick Cousins is. Sure. Um, so uh, I guess my my background really before I um, started Exisant was in financial services. So I spent 20 years working in banking of different shapes and sizes. Um, I think three years into my 20, I realized that banking probably wasn't for me in the long term, but it took me another 17 to finally manage to extract extract myself. But uh, I started in, in JP Morgan on a grad scheme looking at um, infrastructure inside JP Morgan down in London. And over those many years, I moved slowly from sort of investment banking focused into retail banking uh, and from London to Glasgow eventually. Uh, but spent uh, nine years working at Barclays. That was the last nine I did um, of, the, of those 20. Looking, doing some really interesting things. A great place to work. Um, did some big, interesting projects there. Uh, a lot of rebuilding of businesses that were um, sort of digitally con- consumer facing, which was really interesting. Um, and then about three years ago, I decided I probably the time for me to go and do something else and wanted to try and do something that I felt had a clearer sense of purpose around it, certainly for for me personally. Um, And bereavement was an area that I was uh, interested in really for a couple of reasons. One, we've had the misfortune, as I'm sure many people listening have had, of going through the bereavement process with our family. We've been executors on on an estate and friends of mine, unfortunately, losing their partners early, watching them struggle through the the trials and tribulations of bereavement administration, which is just probably the least 21st century process you'll ever have the misfortune of, of going through. Um, and really from that that experience, I was keen to see whether we could do something to help, um, try and build some solutions to solve problems in this space and ultimately make uh, the bereavement process easier for everyone. So we we set out on a bit of a mission a couple of years ago to see whether we could build what we term the UK's first kind of multi-sided bereavement platform. Uh, and the, the aim simply is to try and better connect three groups of people and you know individuals trying to manage their way through an estate to the legal firms 
uh, many of the many of the people listening to this this podcast, I expect, work in some of those legal services firms, trying to help people through that bereavement process. Um, and then, obviously, the institutions that hold all of the the data, right? That's you know my background in in the banking world, so banks and pension companies, insurance companies. So we really set out to build that sort of multi-sided platform to connect those three groups together better, use data more efficiently, more effectively, connect services together, and hopefully make something that is of scale and substance, but just delivers good outcomes for everybody in that in that triangle. So our focus to date has been very focused on the legal services world, and um, that's been our kind of core first product is a bit of um, technology to help executive teams in private client functions do uh, manage their way through the executive process a little bit more easily. And that's a journey we're still on. Um, and now we're turning our, tar- our attention towards some of the institutional stuff. But loads to go after, hugely interesting space. Um, and hopefully we'll we'll do something over the, the long term that is sort of meaningful and impactful. Absolutely. And look, I'm just going to pick up on one of the things you said there, which uh, was the description of the legal services industry saying that it was the least 21st century um, sector. And I think that's a really, really appropriate description. So look, Arkin and Exizent have uh, announced a partnership. So for, for those of you that haven't heard uh, if you think about the uh, the bereavement continuum, then Exocent is very much in the uh, the post death uh, part of, uh, of of death tech. If you want to think of it that way, and Arkin is in the pre death part. So we do estate yep. planning, and of course, Nick, you do uh, probate, estate administration, and uh, everything sort of post uh, somebody passing away. And that that partnership really came about because we we found some synergies together, didn't we, uh, in our belief about how we together could uh, help to solve some of the problems by collaborating. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, we, we, from the very beginning, knew that, that that journey from sort of the planning stage into, into the bereavement management, bereavement administration stage is made a whole lot easier if you have good things in place. Um, and it, it's a bit of a a passion of mine really having spent a big chunk of time at Barclays looking at financial advice and how to get people thinking about the future. And it remains the one area where I think as, as Brits, we're not terribly good at uh, talking about death and money, um, but it's a really important part of that that planning process. So that, that synergy between the two makes a lot of sense and joining that journey up, I think is a really big step forward for the industry. And obviously we'll go through baby steps as to how we make it really deep and meaningful, but um, that connection is is really key. And it's a, it's a sort of fairly fundamental part of our approach. And I know it is with you and the team, Dave, as well, is that um, willingness to work with other people, connect partnerships together. I think the age of sitting in a cupboard for three years, trying to build a single system that does everything are, are, are long gone. And the you know cloud-based technology, APIs, all those lovely buzzwords that are out there today make the sort of um, partnership models much more easily accessible for people, and hopefully we can we can deliver some good. But it, again, it's wrapping around the core purpose, isn't it? It's trying to make yes. make that journey easier for for everybody involved ultimately. Absolutely, yeah. And look, I think there's uh, some very specialised areas in bereavement. the The law itself can be uh, quite complex. And there's uh, many different moving parts. And so I think it's uh, very difficult for any one provider to do all of that. 
So uh, the the approach of having uh, collaborative partners who uh, specialize in, in different areas and who come together uh, for the good of the end consumer and the uh, businesses that we have as, as clients, I think is uh, a really powerful approach. And as you say, it's in line with the way that technology works these days. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, Arkin's a much more established business than the Nexus in, and I am not a I'm not a bereavement practitioner, so I'm not a specialist, but because we, you know, we're here to solve problems, we we take a very design-led approach to things. And I think that's something obviously we, you know, we we both agree on that, that um human-centered approach to design where you're really building solutions to help yes. people solve problems is the key. You know, we're good at listening, we're good at designing, we're good at bringing technology to the fore, but we rely on the input of all the experts to make it come true. And that's why we release products you know, relatively early, get feedback, get engagement. You know, we're not the finished article. And frankly, I'm not sure when a piece of software these days is ever the finished article. Your whole point is to keep improving it and building it and developing it. So, uh, but yeah, I, I fully agree. I think that the world of partnerships and collaboration is, is absolutely vital. Well, what do you think some of the value would be for a practitioner if they're listening to this broadcast and they're thinking, okay, well, I get it, you know, there's a partnership, but uh, what actually practically would that mean to me by way of value with Arkin and Exocent coming together in, in partnership? Yeah, so we look at it relatively simplistically. That may be maybe not the right thing, what rate to look at it, but um, if you think about the core thing, I guess we're both trying to do is, is work out how to use data more effectively and connecting our two systems together just like we would connect to other things in the in the kind of wider ecosystem is all about um, taking data from one place bringing it across to another place really seamlessly and be able to reuse that again so just practically in terms of uh, the Arkin and Exocent link think of data that you guys are collecting in terms of wills or powers of attorney or trusts longer term but that will data being able to port that straight across and make that available as a bereavement case in, in the Exocent software, you know, reduces rekeying. It takes away some of the errors that you might do. It's just a step in that in that efficiency journey, and that's what we're really trying to do, right? And that 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 goes to all sorts of different areas that we'll touch on over time. Looking to ways to use data to say, well, don't repeat the use of it or have to rekey it somewhere else. You know, that's all inefficiency. That all ultimately costs your end client because all of this gets yes. charged back at the end of the day through fees and everything else to the client. So the more we can take that inefficiency out, um, the better. And you can focus your time on growing your practice, adding more business, business development, adding clients, delivering a better service. And that's really what we're here to to try and enable and why that that link makes a lot of sense in my mind. And we can broaden it and make it deeper over time. But even just that basic kind of case creation um, user journey in the agile language uh, is is a really compelling one, I think. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And uh, exciting times ahead. Really looking forward to seeing where where we can go with this because there's a whole range of problems and uh, I want to start to explore some of those because mm-hmm. there's a whole uh, bunch of things that you and I have discussed and I know that you've done some qualitative research and uh, and, and it has been very much design-led. Uh, so perhaps if you can tell us a little bit about the process that you adopted to to, to build Exocent, but also start to uh, reference some of the problems that you discovered as you went through that process. Yeah, sure. Um, so we we take what we loosely term as a sort of service design led approach to building the business, and um, it's it's quite an in vogue phrase, I guess, service design. But at its heart, what it means is going out, really spending a lot of time with the people you were trying to um, build solutions for, understanding their problems, listening to what goes on, mapping out in a, in a degree of detail. And we spent 
six months before we cut a line of code or committed to any kind of product roadmap, just talking to um, people, either individuals, legal services firms, financial advisors, institutions, testing out concepts with them, just trying to explore it from lots of different perspectives because you can always guarantee that the thing you thought you were trying to build is wrong. And actually, if you go and spend time with people, you'll figure out a new start point to the journey, which we certainly we certainly did. And we've continued that the whole way through. So we regularly put product in front of people. We have a community that we, we tap into for research and insight, which we want to grow. Um, and that all sort of culminated in also our bereavement index that we, we, um, we uh, researched and, and produced earlier on this year. And it just it really highlighted some of the key things that we're trying to solve at a, a macro level. There's lots of tiny things you're trying to do on the ground day to day to make the process better. But some of the things we saw that I guess reinforced some of the early the early insight where the utmost to me is like the thing that's most shocking is just how stressful um, people find the bereavement administration process. You know, obviously death is a hugely stressful time anyway. And I kind of liken it to sunburn, right? The sort of things that you might be irritated by when you're not under the sort of stress that you would be when you're going through a bereavement are just exacerbated massively by um, the grief that you're going through and all the extra pressure. So yes. we found, you know, 87%, I think, of the people we interviewed, and there's a survey of a good few thousand people said they found the process of the state administration hugely stressful, 87%. And a big portion of those would say they had some sort of, you know, real mental anguish going through the process. And that just reinforced to us the reason why we're trying to make I guess, professional help more accessible for people. So if you can lean on the sector to help people through this process more, you you can not do it yourself, right? And I think there's a real case for that. So that that was a really striking thing for us, just how stressful the general population finds this, this process. I think um, underlying as well, it, when you talk to the professional side of the market, um, the big thing that came out to us, which is sort of what I expected, was this frustration with... Um, the time it takes to get responses back from institutions to help validate the estate. And that that's really the core long-term goal of what our platform is there to do, is to try and make that the exchange of data far quicker and easier for people. So that that's a, that was the, the number one frustration that we saw um, in, in, the, in the model. What was also interesting was just the, re- the sheer reliance that someone trying to do a really good job for a client has today on ultimately the next of kin or the family to find information and validate things. Like 97% of people still said they almost entirely rely on the next of kin or executor to tell them where assets exist or liabilities exist. Now, the data is out there today for us to do a better job than that, right? We should be able to go out and source some of that information ahead of time for people, which is some of the stuff we've been doing um, with with Experian, which we're, we're kind of really excited about. Um and I think you know, the, just tying it back to the, the the preparedness piece, right? Actually, you sort of assume you know what you're going to be getting involved in. You really don't. And maybe you'll be able to back this up. But I think um, just about 40% of the people that we interviewed who knew they were executors had any confidence that the will that they were going to be the executor of was current or valid or represented any sort of yes. uh, meaningful view of the world as it is today. And I I... I put myself in that category i'll need to go back and figure out how to write a will that reflects my current life it certainly doesn't it was written ages ago but you think 40 percent, and that's you know that's 60 percent of people don't really feel confident 
that when they're asked to do this process, they would be dealing with the right documents. So all that together just says to me, there's so many things to go after, and we're just going to be ruthlessly um, good at prioritizing what to tackle first. But there's some really um, interesting challenges in there that the use of data, and I keep coming back to this, but yes. finding data, using data, the, the open data frameworks that we're trying to adopt can really help. I, I would be interested to hear your views on from your side, whether you think there's other things that are important, but that was certainly the key things we took away. Look, I think it, from an Arkin perspective and from a sort of a pre-death perspective, I think that's that's really accurate. I mean, we're we're battling with a uh, a sector that hasn't seen much change, and it has still been very successful. And so, there is this reluctance to to change this uh, sort of vein of conservatism. And uh, and yet, what we're seeing globally is that there's a lot of change in uh, in this sector. A lot of investment yeah. in the sector. Yeah. You and I were chatting the other day and saying that uh, there was a report out saying that 189 million of investment has come in just in the last year globally into firms like ours. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can expect then that the the everybody else is seeing what's going on in the sector. They're starting to wake up to sort of generational influences in terms of millennials and their demand for uh, estate planning services. And of course, the impact that some of the millennials are having uh, and, and Gen Xs in terms of uh, parents who perhaps have Alzheimer's. Yeah. And so needing uh, things like LPAs, GPAs, uh, the ability to actually uh, manage and control uh, finances and, and affairs for people. So it is a, a really interesting sector. And I think that what we're gonna probably see, Nick, is that uh, the pace of change intensifies and as a result, those organisations that are uh, are not prepared to change or are perhaps slow with change uh, are going to come under more pressure because there's organisations that will adopt change. And uh, as a result, they'll start to uh, be more efficient. They'll start to uh, pick up market share. They'll start to be acquiring new customers. They'll start to be doing uh, different things because, of course, hey, you know, from a, a post-death um, perspective, if you can work through and provide a much better customer experience uh, to to somebody in a fraction of the time, That that's a win, isn't it? And uh, the referral work off that yeah. alone is going to be fantastic. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, we we speak to lots of clients who are in that bucket of they see the opportunity, they want to improve. And many of the early adopters of X is that, you know, we're still early days, we've got lots of stuff to do. Other people are get yeah, we get this journey. We want to be part of it. We want to engage. And I, I come back to this theme quite quite a lot is you know, I still feel there's a section, not all of it, definitely not all of it, but there's a portion of this market that charges for inefficiency. And that's, I would challenge anyone to name another industry, another sector that, that that's still acceptable. You know, you look at all the other services that we consume as, as people and you think, well, you want value, you want the clarity of what you're getting out of it and where you're charging for the inefficiency of the processes in the background, I think that's uh, that's a, that's what's got to change in my in my mind. And there are plenty of people that see that and are driving for it. Um, I would encourage everyone else to get get on that train as quickly as possible. Yeah, agree. And I think probably what you're going to find is that um, is that the pricing strategies uh, because it's very fixed fee in estate planning. That's a predominant way of, of doing things. But uh, you'll start to see some changes in the way that. Uh, probate and estate administration is uh, is run as well. Yeah, and look, the other thing that we haven't explored 
is that within a state administration, of course, you've got multiple parties, and we're talking about uh, the consumers themselves and people who've, who've suffered a bereavement in the family. Uh, we're talking about the uh, legal service providers. But there's a, a third part of this triangle, isn't there? We've got uh, financial service organizations who, of course, uh, are struggling with bereavement them, themselves. No, no doubt. And, you know, we, we, you know, a big part of what I do day to day at the moment is is talking to lots of those organizations sort of understanding what they're going through and you know it's the hard harsh fact of covid is um, bereavement numbers are up significantly what was already a stressed process is under even more strain you've had big organizations having to move entire workforces remotely and that's had an impact on turnaround times so there's a there's a you know a covid related stress in the system that means the lots of the financial service industry are looking for solutions to help them ease that that pain um i think it, they would also recognize i think that you know bereavement operations inside a bank isn't going to be the number one investment priority for change you know they they will be spending money on stuff that you know adds value to consumers and but i think now everyone's beginning to recognize that you know this is maybe an underinvested area and that people need help. The FCA is very focused on vulnerability. Um, vulnerable uh, customers are you know, a really important part of the banking agenda. And bereavement is obviously a fairly obvious and clear time of, of vulnerability. So handling people at that time is, is really key. Um, there's not a lot of upside to doing it really well. There's lots of downside to getting it getting it wrong. So I think if those of us in this space who can come up with interesting things to to help the banks and the rest of the financial service community do a good job um, at scale with the right customer outcomes in, in the back of our minds, then I think that's the it's the right time to go and try and improve the situation. Absolutely. And look, I think if we can get that right collectively, then the entire process is going to be uh, very, very much improved. The speed, which I think, you know, legal service providers are very concerned about that, aren't they? They're concerned about the time that it takes. Um, as you say, so the, there are some out there who who celebrate the inefficiencies, but, uh, but uh, overall, uh, we want to take a stressful process for um, individuals, uh, speed it up make it easier, make it much more accessible. And yeah. the financial services organizations, I'm sure, would be absolutely across that. Yeah, I, I've not spoken to any single person in any organization, big financial services, small one-person legal firms who says that the outcomes we're trying to achieve are not a good idea, right? Yeah. So, and, and I mean that collectively, you, you I, others in this, this yes. market, right? We're trying to do the right thing. It's, it's a challenge, it'll take a while, um, but this is about getting momentum, and the more people behind the journey, the quicker you can affect that that change. Um, but I'm yet to find somebody who doesn't say doesn't say hasn't said this is not needed. You know, it's just yes, it's kind of so glaringly obvious. But it's hard when you're an incumbent part of an ecosystem to feel like you can affect change. And that's why I think you know new firms, and we're a new firm uh, with no legacy behind you. You can come in if you take the right approach, and you're. Um, careful about how you do things. You get people engaged. You do the right, the right, take the right steps. You can be the catalyst for those, for the, the change that's really needed in the market. Yes. And that's that's why we get excited about it. I think that's why the investment community gets excited about it because if you're yeah. thinking on a big enough scale, as you reference some of those those large investment numbers, you know that'll just increase because it becomes a theme, doesn't it? It becomes a thematic investment theme. You know, the death tech. As much as I 
hate the phrase um, yes, that's, that's what gets quoted you know it's uh, it's definitely an area of, of interest and attention for people yeah and that's globally isn't it you know yeah. i mean we're talking about 189 million being invested globally there's a lot happening in the states and we're starting to see new entrants come in and in, in different countries uh we're obviously in four different countries and we're seeing some uh some different uh, parties getting involved in the different parts of the bereavement um process and and that's great because yep. uh, we all want to drive towards better outcomes, and uh, it's it's uh, going to be really interesting to see where we end up in five years. Let's let's turn our attention to a little bit of stargazing, Nick, because uh, we we've had a year where uh, there's been uh, a lot going on. You were talking about COVID before, and we've we've obviously uh, you and I talked offline about uh, the impact of uh, so many different dynamics happening in the in the industry. Mm. What, what do you think? Uh, we could expect to see happen over the next sort of two, three, five-year horizons in the industry? So I think there's some interesting things that have happened in the last year that I would expect to stay and possibly um, embed. So a lot of digital engagement, um, customer digital engagement tools are, are definitely now more the norm, and I can see that expanding and happening um, the big thing from my perspective is the continuing trend towards two or three key things. So one is open data. Um, that's an area I'm acutely interested in. Obviously, uh, the, the banking sector has been driven very hard to embrace open banking uh, to varying degrees of success. Uh, but actually, this drive to, to allow greater access to the wider open finance scope of things, so your investments and insurance. I think that's a really interesting trend. And in particularly in the bereavement sector, I think there's a really compelling use case for um, open finance in the world of bereavement. If you think about really the what's the core of the job, it's validating and understanding the financial position and assets and liabilities of an estate. So if we can continue the drive towards expansion of um, the use of open finance into this sector, I think that would be hugely interesting and some, certainly something we will be um, campaigning for. Um, I think the other uh, area, you know, SaaS, cloud computing, API-driven technology, it's not new in any way, shape or form. Right? It's well-established in almost every other sector. I think it's still uh, beginning to you know, really take hold, particularly in the kind of bereavement space in the UK. Um, I can see that obviously growing and becoming more norms for people. And that, that allows you to do more of that um, collaborative stuff that we talked about at the beginning. So I think um, smart businesses coming together to help each other, work together, do your bit of the puzzle really, really well and combine to provide those solutions for people. Um, I think that's that's a, a kind of key a key other, other piece. And I think that just generally the expectation of the market, I think is increasing all the time. So um, we all just have to think of ourselves as consumers of other services and what would we like to go through in this situation? I think the answer is fairly clear what you'd like to happen. And I, I would I would see that um, demands on the market to do better will just continue to continue to grow um, in, in my mind. So that's a, that's a couple of key things. And then this whole um, pre-death to post-death journey, I think is something that we, we need to do uh, a better job on hopefully what we're doing is kind of the start of that but really building building solutions that have that whole journey in mind um, i think is really key because you know talking about wills and powers of attorney you know not terribly exciting 
but it's a really great engagement point for discussions between generations. And that's, I yes. think, a really big gap at the moment is that discussion between one generation, the next generation, even the generation after that, about what happens to estates and money. You know, it doesn't even have to be big amounts, but what? how does it get handled? Who does it go to? How does it get used for best effect? So I think that that estate planning piece really needs to um, continue to, to develop. Yeah, great. I mean, the stats aren't great, are they, in terms of, uh, no. you know, the, the the number of people that have wills? And uh, obviously, as people get older, um, they they are more likely to have a will. But you know, the, the oldest millennial is 37. And uh, they're having kids, they're buying houses, and uh, and yet uh, only two in 10 of them have a will. Yeah. So that that's, um, that's alarming. That uh, that that is a concern. Okay, the death rate within that uh, that cohort isn't high, but uh, they will be inheriting a lot of wealth, won't they? They will, and that's a really big thing. And you can imagine over the next two or three years, some fairly significant changes happening to the inheritance tax regimes, and you know, having to plan around that. And what do we, you know, what do we do? We've just spent an awful lot of taxpayers' money uh, over the last couple of years that the government will need to claim back at some point, and actually. Um, perhaps, you know, thinking about that big intergenerational wealth transfer that's going to happen in the next 10 to 15 years, you can imagine uh, the government's got its eye on a bit of that that money. So planning around it properly, getting engaged early, talking about it, that's that's a really big step for the UK, actually, because it's, as I said at the beginning, not a subject that we tend to like bringing up at the dinner table. Yeah, I agree with that. And and I hope that it, it is demystified. And that it is uh, something that is um, that is accessible, that it's uh, that it's a lot easier, uh, that the stigma that is associated with it in some way, because the customer experience is better uh, in going through a bereavement, that that then uh, flows all the way through to people's expectations, and uh, they would be more free to have a conversation and uh, would understand the need to do that, and in fact that uh, that the conversation is easy to have. Yeah. So they they can find that advice and uh, and access it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and listen, I'm always wary of um, extrapolating from the experience of one. But uh, when I, I, my sister and I, we put in place powers of attorney for my parents uh, last year, or it must be the year before, um, and they're still fine and happy. And, you know, we, but we put it in place as a as the, the right thing to do. But throughout that process, the the financial advisor and the solicitor who put those documents in place didn't actually connect with my sister and myself to say, well, why don't you come and have a chat about what you would do in that circumstance and what would you, how would you use the money? How would you pass it down? Have you thought about doing it for yourself? So there's some, and that's that model, that experience is probably being mirrored all over the place. And you think what a missed opportunity that is to actually go and engage properly. So if you can build the services better to do that, by the time we have to deal with the unfortunate events that will you know, inevitably occur with my parents at some point, things are in place and you can handle it properly. And therefore that stressful experience is, is dramatically um, improved, and that really should be our our goal. So, um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, look, that that's a great um, a great example, actually, because uh, if if that conversation had taken place, then all of a sudden a, another generation of people is uh, is is sorted out. And uh, if we dial that all back to the inter- intergenerational wealth transfer, then that process itself is going to be a lot more seamless. Yeah, and yeah, there's some really significant. I mean, we're talking big numbers here. Just to delve into this for a moment, even in the the US, Europe, and the UK, you're talking about 28 trillion pounds. Yeah, 
28 trillion. Now, that is a massive, massive stimulus, even if you just think about releasing that to be spent, invested uh, quicker than what it is now. Because the average case in uh, in uh, by the time you go through from death through to the release of funds is uh, is a long period of time. It's if it. you were to yeah, so yeah. if you were to speed that up, there's there's a massive economic stimulus there, and hey, you know maybe that's what the government will be looking at. Uh, but who knows? Well, and that makes total sense. You know, getting getting money out of locked up estates into the next set of investments or property or building or whatever it is, like you, like you say that that surely is an economic. Um, boon for the country that we we clearly need. So, mm. well, look, this has been uh, absolutely fantastic, Nick. I know that we've had some great conversations uh, over the last few months, but uh, this has been uh, really stimulating and enjoying uh, and enjoyable as well. Uh, we, we need to draw things to a close though, because uh, we try and run to about sort of the thirty-five minute mark. So, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody in the podcast series and that is this if you could please just uh, finish this sentence what is your advice to anyone who is thinking about entering into uh, the estate management industry or planning to grow for uh, anybody who's currently in the industry um, so I know you asked me this question the other day in preparation for this, so I have given this some thought. And there are many things I could have talked about, but actually I think the key thing for me is something I referenced earlier, and that's really to always look to the expectations of yourself or consumers in other markets and how you engage with them. Right? That's that's the bar we should be setting for how we work with and treat people in this in the bereavement area. So find ways to increase transparency, find ways to speed up the use of data. And ultimately, let's bring down the emotional and financial burden that we put on people going through this process. So that would be my one one piece of advice. Look outside the, the bubble that is um, bereavement admin and executive work and think about how we all consume services elsewhere and what our expectations are. Yeah, look, that is a uh, a very, very poignant comment, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, the world around, if you think about the way that we order things on Amazon and the ease with which we can access other services in other sectors, and you parallel that with the way that the bereavement uh, processes currently work, I think that is a, a very good filter to use indeed. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Thanks, Dave. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Always great to chat. Would you like to give a little shout out of your, your web address so people can come and check out Exizent if they'd like to? Yeah, perfect. So www.exizent.com. There is a story behind the name, which perhaps we'll use. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try that another another time. But um, yeah, exizent.com is us or nick.cousins at exizent.com. It's my email address. Always happy to field questions and um, comments from people. Fantastic. And if you're interested in hearing out uh, a little bit more about the Arkin and Exident partnership, then of course, feel free to reach out to either Nick or myself or any one of our teams. Uh, you can, of course, find us at www.arkin.legal or you can give us a call on uh, 01732867792 or you can uh, reach me at david.newick at arkin.legal. Well, from both of us here, it's a goodbye. Thank you so much for listening in to the podcast today. We will be bringing you other guests across the spectrum from the estate management industry. So stay tuned and uh, subscribe to hear future episodes. 
But from us today, it's thank you and goodbye. Thank you for listening. For more information on Arkin Legal and to hear other episodes of business broadcasts, head over to www.arkin.legal.